Here. All right, Mike, welcome back to another one. Rory, how you getting on, mate? Yeah, all good, thanks. All good. Um, good stuff. So obviously this week, uh, you know, in the market podcast, we're going to sort of talk about sort of the big movers from last week, obviously namely looking at the S&P and the NASDAQ. I mean, starting to come off all-time highs. I think what we're going to do is sort of break down a bit about the S&P. You know, there's probably a lot of guys out there heard of the S&P, don't know what it is. So we'll break it down a bit and then maybe um, talk about some of the top constituents in it break down why they're important to look at and really maybe then at the end sort of finish off where we think the S&P is maybe going to finish sort of just before the um the month end and then maybe look into the quarter end and on further down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been an interesting week, obviously, for the S&P uh, coming off of recent highs. I mean, everyone was very bullish uh, up until, you know, say, you know, last week. So, I mean, for me, it's one of those where, you know, it's a case of catching highs, you know, it's a bit difficult to do, obviously. Um, I feel as though looking over in the fixed income space, you're thinking, right, terminals, we're there, we're not there, still a bit choppy. So, you know, I feel as though we've kind of seen a retracement on the back of, you know, a bit of macroeconomic uncertainty. So nothing too surprising, if I'm being completely honest. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. I think we're just starting to see the the realistic card now starting to be played. You know, yeah. the, the fairy tale is now over. Um, we obviously seen. I think one of the biggest pivots for me, Mike, was the was the dot plots that came out um two weeks ago. They were obviously uh, projected medium projection for interest rates in the U.S. Fed funds was um five point six by year end. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, once we've seen that, and as we say, we're at five and a quarter now, upper bound. So there's still at least another two rate hikes left there this year. And I think that realism is now starting to hit markets. They've realized that they're potentially on the wrong end. And, you know, this is going to be the period of sticky inflation. So I just think that S&P is now starting to cool off. We're starting to see, um, you know, obviously the uh, Chinese manufacturing index, things like that are starting to cool off. You know, it's just global demand maybe isn't there anymore. And it's maybe yeah, just yeah. one big bubble. I feel as though the S&P really rallied on the pause and, you know, jumped nicely and quickly. So above that 4,000 level, went really quickly uh, above 4,400, dropped now to just north of 4,300. I think we're about 4,320 or so, as yeah. speaking. It's just one of those where, you know, it's the narrative's changed. Sales have come out, you know, the, the wind has come out of sales. And it's just one of those in which, you know, ultimately, as you correctly said, uh, 5.6 look, looks like you know the the rate by the end of the year and who's to say that's terminal or not yeah you know exactly. we'll see obviously with regards to macro prints later on in the year but ultimately for me I'm looking at the S&P now I wouldn't buy into it I think it's top heavy I think it's going through a retracement at the moment yeah. um, and ultimately I feel as though um, the macro picture the um, you know the, the Fed rate picture is going to dominate for the rest of the year yeah. Again, you know, S&P's benefited from, you know, uh, big names doing well, Apple, Nvidia, tech largely. Um, let's not forget people are pricing in a recession next year. So if I'm being completely honest, I reckon um, we may see some sideways trading in the immediate future for the S&P. But ultimately, I wouldn't look towards, you know, a really strong finish towards the end of the year. I'd say, you know, in and around the region, which we've seen as of recent. Yeah, I would agree. I would sort of say, you know, S&P will probably finish maybe just north of 4,000, you know, by the year end. And I would say that would be probably quite a conservative, positive guess, if, if that makes sense. I mean, no, it does, yeah. just just as we, you know, mentioned at the start of the podcast, what we're going to sort of talk about as well is that looking at the constituents within the S&P, I mean, 
you know, you mentioned some of the big names there we have NVIDIA, the likes of NVIDIA, Meta, you know, some of these bigger names, the AI sort of um, cap stocks, they're really just holding up the S&P at the minute. And I think that's what every, sure. that's what everybody's buying into. Everybody thinks that they're buying into the S&P, they're buying into the stock market, but what they're really buying into is just a group of of stocks that are heavily, heavily weighted towards uh, a minority that are just severely outperforming the market. I mean, best example we always use, Mike, is the Russell 2000. It's not not performing great. That's the real economy. Yep. You know, yep. the, the S&P 490, as we call it, isn't moving too good. So yeah, I think that's, that's definitely going to be somewhere to look for people. Um, you know, just taking a bit of a tangent on this and, and look talking sort of towards the long, short guys, there's obviously going to be guys running out there um, who are running long-only positions, and they're probably going to find it now quite hard into the second half of the year to find long-only positions in a market like this. Sure. You know, they're, sure. they're going to be relying on the AI stocks that are already up 100%, 200%. You know, they're running out of steam. You know, where, where do they turn from here? There's guys who are running the short side uh, who are probably going to love this. They're going to start to short the AI. They're going to short what's already down 50%, 60%. You know, I think the guys who can run a long and short book may actually favor this okay. But that's that yeah. the question. Where do, you, where do you think money's hiding at the minute? And do you think that there's going to be a place to hide in the second half of the year? Because obviously money hid in commodities this year. It also hid in you know big tech. Where do you mm-hmm. think it's hide in the second half of the year? Well, I think commodities are kind of almost again sort of similar to where we are with you know this this sort of tech bubble that's unfolding. You know they've kind of fallen off as well. Yeah. Uh, you know that that's a play that you know the end looks to be in sight. Um, it's very hard not to see people you know pile into tech as of recent. You may still see some people you know uh, move into that. However, I would probably look at those pushing money into those areas now as long long term investors not traders i don't think these would be people necessarily um concerned with you know a positive or negative uh gain by the end of the year but you know they're looking at a four five six year picture so you know if we do see any more upward movements in tech i think that's why um interesting as well a bit of a tangent but nvidia is also a big mm-hmm. uh tech stock that has found its way into esg funds yeah. And there's a lot of ESG funds that are, you know, uh, that have uh, NVIDIA holding. So, you know, that's an interesting one as well. Yeah. Um, but for me, I feel as though if you are a long only guy or girl, you're probably thinking, right, well, let's have a look at the macroeconomic outlook for next year. Um, narrative hasn't changed that much. Slowdown is still on the agenda. Uh, obviously, the discussion is still softy hard landing. I feel as though soft is looking ever more a more of an ask, but challenging to really cement that. And the likelihood of that um, happening seems, you know, less and less as we get further into the year. So if I was taking longs, I'd be very defensive. I'm talking about your high yielders, your recession-proof stocks, you know, like some McDonald's, PepsiCo's, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. I And as he said, I really do feel as though the people that are probably going to do the best from here on out towards the end of the year are those that are able to take short positions. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just as you mentioned, there's sort of high yielding stocks as well. I'm sort of just focusing as well as, you know, consumer uh, staples, also looking into sort of healthcare. Um, yep. Just before we started this, we sort of um, had a look at a bit of a screener there and nearly everything that's been up the last sort of day, week, month, you know, a lot of it's very health heavy. You know, yep. a lot of health, bio, you know, uh, biomedical, pharmacies, whatever it may be, sort of stocks in there. And I think that's really 
going to be where a lot of money's heading towards now. For sure, for sure. I mean, there's no point trying to catch tops no. uh, in tech stocks uh, at the moment. It's just too difficult. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys out there as well asking, you know, they always want the golden nugget. Um, so I'm going to put you under the under the spotlight. They're always going to want the golden nugget of one company to go long and one company to go short. Is there anything that stands out to you in the market at the minute or do you think it's it's too difficult to call? It is difficult to call, but if I had to put my money where my mouth is and I'm thinking, uh, you know, over a year, I'm not I'm not looking at a short-term week play or a month play. I'm talking probably now yeah. uh, and throughout 2024, my top call would be something like McDonald's. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that's really on the back of the macroeconomic picture, slowing down and slowing down drastically. Yeah. And um, I think that's probably my, my go-to play. Um, my short, uh, I probably, I'm still quite short on the, um, on any stock associated with REITs, real estate investment trusts. That was uh, me. Most, yeah, mostly say. office space, I think. Office space, I think, is set for a real correction. Yeah, uh, UK or US, I'm not fussy. Um, there's one I'm looking at at the minute, KCR. Okay. Um, that's the ticker. Um, I don't like it. it trades very cheap. It's been sloping downwards for a while now, and I yeah, think it's gonna continue. Yeah. The, what about the, you, Rory? Would you, if you had to choose one long, one short? Yeah, I mean, out of the out of the short term, I'm in the same sector as you, real estate sort of sector, yeah. REIT sector. Um, there's actually yeah. quite a few that's been on my watch list for a while. Um, one of them's called AVB, Avalon Bay Communities. Um, okay. So they have like a lot of uh, residential communities, office spaces, things like that. Uh, the rent in sort of um, places like New York, San Francisco, Seattle, a lot of these types of places mm. where they would aim towards, um, sort you know, sort of your your guys that would be working in finance and lawyers, those types of jobs in Manhattan. They've been residential people. So I think a lot of those people now that they're starting to work a bit more remotely from home, these guys might start to move a bit further out into the suburbs. I think For sure. A company like that's going to struggle, especially as interest rates, you know, are moving higher. People are obviously finding mortgages more expensive. Another one off the back of that as well is actually uh, called Builder, uh, built BLDR. So it's Builder's first source. So they're one of the largest suppliers in the US of uh, building material and equipment. So they supply nice, like, great, cool, great, cool. Supply like timber and and basically everything that you need to build a house. So that's just really looking back at the supply chain saying, well, you know, if, if the amount of houses aren't going to get built and, you know, the housing market's starting to slow, well, who really suffers? It's, you know, it's the suppliers that suffer. So it's about taking it a wee bit further back. Um, looking at a long idea as well, I must agree with you, McDonald's is definitely one of them. Um, yeah. That's actually quite far up there. Another one that I actually have is actually a Swiss company called On Holdings. So O-N-O-N is a ticker. Um, some people might be familiar. They're actually in apparel. Uh, company they produce a lot of running shoes now um okay. currently trading around 30 dollars. i bought in when they were trading around 17 or 18 um i i, I oh, just feel laughing yeah i, I just think they're good they're, they're a company that's, i'm not gonna say they're going to the moon but i think i think they're going to go quite far i think they're going to be somewhat um recession proof if they can continue strong growth um, nice. it's one of those things that people always say mike if you see people wearing it see people using it and the stock price isn't moving it's usually a good time to buy in um, absolutely it's you know i sort of i caught the company about a year ago there um couldn't see anybody in the uk with their shoes or or, or with any of their products now you know i was in central london today and yesterday man it was just filled with it it was people just have it everywhere yeah you know? that's great cool and i and i think that next quarter sales are gonna are gonna be huge i really think this quarter sales are gonna be huge 
So, yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of fund managers are going to be looking for long positions. They're going to be wanting to jump in the back of anything. These guys surprised big to the upside. I wouldn't be surprised if a bit of money piles in. The only um, downside I would say of this is that it doesn't pay dividends currently. So it's not going to be, gotcha. it's not going to be highly attractive uh, to long-term speculators. I mean, it's probably going to be more short-term play that. Um, yep. So any long-term positions I think you're going to take is probably going to be high dividend uh, yields. One we talked about one time was Nordic American Tankers. Not brilliant company for long-term dividends. Don't think they've missed a dividend from 1998 or 1996. That's so impressive. Older than they've missed, haven't missed a dividend from as long as I've walked the earth. So, I mean, and we all know what happened the day I was born. A miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Second Jesus. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that would that would pretty much be me. Yeah, no, definitely. It's one of those where I think macro picture is going to dominate into next year. I think that's going to be really spurred on by obviously activities associated with the Fed, BOE, ECB, whatever yeah. central bank you like. Yeah, and I yeah. feel as though it's just a case of where risk uh, feels like it's going to end up. I still think fixed income space is going to outperform, and mm-hmm. we'll see that and directly coincide with obviously you know rate high cycles, but. Yeah, for me, for now, if you study the S&P, I, I wouldn't put money into the S&P now. Um, unless, you know, you, you're investing as opposed to trading, you know, if you just want to chuck uh, some money at a mutual fund and just keep it there as a savings account, do so if you want, but don't be expected to make big big gains or, you know, anything by the end of the year. That's simply just to replace a savings account, in, in my uh, my simple opinion. But um, Some DCA wouldn't yeah. go in this here, but a dollar cost averaging, I mean... Yeah, you know, for anybody out there that has, let's just call ten, you know, thousand dollars to invest, might be a bad option putting a hundred in now in June, hundred in July, hundred in August. If markets absolutely tank, you might want to put in three hundred then. You know, for sure, for it, sure, that might great call. You know, for people, that's a great call. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the, one of the good things to do. Um, just looking at economic calendar then, really for this week, uh, I'm not going to pull it up here. Um, you know, kind of know it off the top of our heads, but really, really liked. Um, obviously we have the main one being PCE uh, coming out and that's really it we have a few speakers um, Christine Lagarde from the ECB speaking a couple of times um, that'd be good I believe we actually have a meeting in uh, Switzerland I think it's the BIS meeting uh, so mm-hmm. it sort of covers the Basel Accord and things like that their meeting but really apart from that it's just um, Jerome Hall will be speaking to Christine Lagarde and then really PCE so a very very quiet week and um, believe it or not probably in about another two and a half weeks time earnings start again yeah, there we go. And obviously that's going to help, you know, decide yeah. whether, you know, rates are going north. I personally will, but let's yeah. see. I think something else I wanted to touch on as well, you know, just before we end this, is I've seen a really, really interesting article about how uh, economists actually expect inflation to remain a lot higher from longer. And you'll, yeah. kick, yourself, you'll kick yourself when I say this, maybe you've, you've thought of it before, but one of the main reasons for it is, is that because um, interest rates at banks is actually staying so low, you know, for uh, savers. It's staying yeah. so low, it's not attracting money in, whereas it's actually attracting money out of into the system. So if banks could actually raise that interest rate up even higher and allow savers to have more uh, interest, that would maybe stop the inflation. Yeah, That's- I mean, you, you would kind of expect, you know, um, commercial banks to play their part. Um, I don't understand why... You know, it needs to be spelled out to these entities uh, at some point. I really don't. But at the same time as well, you know, on the other side, I, you know, you can make the argument, well, 
consumers are going to be charged. You know, I'm taking the argument from, you know, the credit cards viewpoint, you know, they're, they're going to be waxed yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, you know, obviously it's a case of what's going to prevail there. You know, are we going to see interest rates in normal savings accounts rise and, and do a bit and encourage further, you know, saving as opposed to spending? Or will we see higher rates discourage spending via credit? Yeah. You know what? I feel as though your your call will probably have more impact than uh, credit because it will just be credit on credit on credit. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I also think as well, if your savings rate are that bit higher too, you know, it's obviously going to attract a lot of money out of markets. You know, it's not just inflation that's going to fall. A lot of money could, out of markets as well could fall. Yeah, so absolutely. That, that could really cause a collapse. You know, there's Good part point. of this as well that they're keeping rates low there just to sort of attract money out of the banks and keep it really in the markets for now. But it's, good point. it's all speculation for now, isn't it? <laughs> mate, it always is. Let's be honest. Yeah, I know. All right, mate. Well, I think that's I think that's everything sort of covered. Um, you know, our sort of view is kind of been short S and P five hundred. That's kind of our Absolutely. our view at the minute. But if as always, if anybody's any questions like to add anything, it's always great to join the app and sort of um make sure and get your comments in there and absolutely sort of... get active in the app. Yeah. All right, mate. Cheers. Thanks very much, Mike. Cheers, Rory. Nice one, mate. All right, but.